Well, for Easter and Good Friday, we began our trek through the book of Psalms together. This is our new series, um, and even though last week was the first week in this series, it didn't serve as the introduction because it was Good Friday and Easter, so it was our first stop in the Psalms, but we're doing the introduction to the new series today. So you can open up your Bibles to Psalm 1, and um, if you're joining us online, thanks for tuning in today. If you're here in person, it's great to see you. So many people are coming back to church. They finally either got the vaccine or things changed with people they were caring for. Every week we have people who are coming back to church, which is so exciting to see. So if you are back, welcome to you. We also have our outdoor services that will be starting soon, weather permitting. And I know for many of you who are joining us online, that's the only time you can come to church. They are going to start soon. So keep watching the communication for that. But we love that the church is regathering. Now, in this series in the book of Psalms, we are going to see today that the book of Psalms is different from every other book in the Bible. And therefore, it serves a special purpose um, in the Bible and in our faith. The series is called Songs for Every Season, and what that means is, uh, not for the weather, (laughs) but songs for every spiritual season of life. If you have walked with the Lord Jesus for any amount of time, you realize that there are many different seasons of faith, many different seasons of life. Often people are confused with what God expects of them during a different season than they're used to. So we all know in Chicago the different seasons, but here's a picture of what summer ideally feels like and looks like and smells like. And uh, when it comes to summer, there is a summer, sun out, sun is shining, clouds are gone, season of faith, when all seems right in the world. And everything that's true about God, everything that's spoken of in the Bible just seems to be going the way it's supposed to be going. Here's the next picture, but then, of course, fall comes along, and things start falling. (laughs) Things start to fall over, and slowly there's a deterioration, and the winds start to change. This is the beginning of a big changeover in life, and that represents a season of faith where things start to not go so well, and there's a disorientation uh, in your life, and a relationship is suddenly out of whack, and uh uh-oh, 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 what is going to happen next? Then comes winter, and um, winter is when all hope seems lost, (laughs) right? Uh, It's cold, it's it's dark, it's, uh, you, things like walking get hard again, and there is a winter for the soul. There is a dark place um, of faith, and then comes spring, and there's a reemergence, there's hope, there's new life, there is up from the cold ground comes something new, something fresh. Now, the book of Psalms is uh, full of songs, and so songs for every season means whatever season of faith you're in, there is a song in the book of Psalms for you. And the four major types of psalms would be orientation. They talks about when life is great, And uh, by the way, when life is great and everything seems to be going well and you have everything you need, beware. Because Satan has very special summer temptations for you. And then there's disorientation, when trouble is near or it's approaching, but it's not quite consuming yet. And then there are psalms of despair, when life seems to be over. And then there are psalms of reemergence, 
the worst happened, now what? I think that this, so why are we going into this series? Why Psalms? Why now? Well, the Psalms spill out of the heart of man. People wrote down all of their emotions, all of their frustrations, all of their feelings. And coming out of last year, I think that it's, it's time for us to learn how to talk to God about everything that we're feeling, all past, present, and future. There's just so much disorientation. Um, and we have to recognize that these Psalms are written spilling out of the heart of man, but the whole counsel of God, the Word of God, is actually inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's not just, look, there's a man with a problem writing a poem. It's actually deeper than that. It's God the Spirit inside that man while he groans, writing what God wants him to say. It's an awesome way to view these poems, these songs. The Spirit is inspiring the Word of God, meaning it was God himself present in every moment of pain recorded in the Psalms, and God was driving man's lament out to the surface for all to hear. So this anguish that we find in the book of Psalms that captures the entirety of human anguish actually mirrors the very agony of God himself. And this would later culminate in the person of Christ. The Psalms are fulfilled and embodied in the suffering servant, the Savior. So the Psalms is a very awesome book, and it's going to help you and me to connect with God regardless of where we're at in life and faith. So having said that, let's pray together as we start this series. Father, I understand that represented here in this room are people from every different stage of faith right now. There are people in the summertime and, and in the fall and in the winter and in the spring. Oh Lord, we ask that you would meet us where we are through the book of Psalms. Help us to find voice for what's going on inside of our soul, a voice of faith. And lead us forward, Lord, whatever that means. Lead us forward so that we would know that you are with us and that you are in us, that you are actually pushing us to express these things to you by faith. And lead us through these seasons of growth so that we might know you better. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're, we're actually not going to get to Psalm 1 and 2 until the last point because we're going to do a bit of an overview. So the first thing you can write down is this. We have to understand the background and purpose of the book. Uh, where did this book come from and why was it written? We have to understand that to truly gather the full depth and perspective of it. So the book of Psalms is the hymn book of the Old Testament. They used it for praise and prayer. They used it in the tabernacle and in the temple. So it is a, a book filled with songs and poems used for Israel's worship. Where did the book come from? Why was it written? When was it written? Well, so jot this down. Psalms are spiritual songs and poems. Spiritual songs and poems. Many of them would have become familiar. Most of them would have been familiar to the Israelites, like popular Christian songs are to you. So there's plenty of popular Christian songs from our era, right? Right today, some of the songs that are more popular are, you're a good, good father, right? It's who you are, it's who you are. In Christ alone is a song that's standing the test of time. Um, you know, we could go back, you know, to the 80s and 90s, right? Shout to the Lord, a little twilight Paris, my Redeemer lives, you know, uh, you get clapping to that one. There's all these songs that are recognizable um, in the faith. Maybe you have some favorite Christian songs. 
Well, in the book of Psalms, that, that, this is their worship. These are their praise songs. So even though we read Psalms, we say them, we, we study them, they're meant to be sung or recited. So they are songs and poems. Jot this down. They were written between the year 1000 and 500 BC, generally. Generally, they were written between 1000 and 500 BC. There, uh, there was this, one of the Psalms was written by Moses, so that was obviously much older. But generally, this is when they were written and compiled. So it was the age of kings, King David in particular, um, through the exile, the period of exile. And even when they were coming back under Ezra, a lot of these were compiled and some new Psalms were written. So they spanned, um, you know, a, a very large portion of time. And we're, we're studying 3,000-year-old songs, which is kind of cool. I had an epiphany when I was at the gym this week. I was thinking to myself, I'm old, or at least I'm getting there. I was born in 1977, and uh, we've got a lot of younger people around us now. Our kids are obviously, Ellie's in college and everything, so I'm like, all right. So I was born in 77, so when I was growing up, music from the 70s was like, you know, classic, and 60s was like a little old, right? And 50s was oldies, and 40s was like really old. I know I'm stepping on some toes here, but for me, that was growing up. So then I was like, okay, so somebody who's 21 today, music from the like 2000s is like my 1970s. And so that's, you know, kind of classic to them. And then the 90s to them are like the 60s to me, they're old. And the 80s to them are like the 50s to me, the oldies. And the 70s, and I'm just like, wow, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm getting up there. And uh, but listen, we're going to look at songs that are 3,000 years old together. And guess what? When you read the lyrics, still you read them and, and you're like, wow, this is like my heart right now. So they've stood the test of time. What song is going to be looked at? You think they're going to be looking at Freebird 3,000 years from now? Be like, yeah, this guy gets it, right? It's amazing that these songs are still relevant. All right, jot this down. Authors include David. He wrote 75 of them. The sons of Korah, they wrote 11. Asaph wrote 12. Solomon wrote two. We think two. Moses wrote one. So that's quite a lineup. you got a giant killer. You've got the wisest, richest man in the Bible. you got Moses, the Red Sea. I mean, like, wow. These are, these people have walked with God, right? And when they start writing some stuff down, it's worth singing about. So authors, uh, quite a lineup. Jot this down. Many psalms were written for special occasions or about specific events. So in other words, there were 14 psalms tied directly to events in David's life. So it'll say, David wrote this when he was hiding in a cave because he was afraid for his life. So something was going on, and that psalm was written about that experience. 14 of those. Some psalms were written for events or days, special days like a Sabbath psalm or a festival song. Uh, some of them are written about kings, which leads us to believe they were used for maybe installing a king or commemorating a king's rule. So often these songs were written for special times of worship. And then jot this down. The psalms call us to sing in every season of faith, meaning they're not just 
for that era. Within the lyrics is a call to response. Within the lyrics is, you say it now. Everyone with me. And, and, and there are some psalms where it calls all of creation to start singing to the Lord. So it's an invitation for you to join in these songs. Often, when you least feel like singing. So let me ask you this. Where are you at with God right now? If you had to say the season of faith you are in. Are you, are you like in summer? Several people have told me that they don't like to talk about it, but somehow they came through 2020 and it was a great year. They kind of lowered their voice. I had a great year last year, but don't tell anybody because everybody else is upset. But listen to what God did. And they list all these things. And somehow they're still, they're in the summer. It's like, oh, God has done all this stuff for me. Uh, maybe you're there. Are you in the fall where things are getting scary? colder, wind is blowing, you're not sure what's coming, but you're off balance and things are a little out of whack, right? Is that where you're at? Uh, are, are you in flat out winter, like cold on the ground, like don't feel like walking anywhere spiritually right now, like major life trauma, is that where you're at? And did you just come out of that? Are you, are you more in the, in the spring? Are you more in like God just took me through a time, but I'm getting out of it. Where are you? So much of life and faith is figuring out where you're at. Too often, people don't even know how to say where they're at. Here's where I'm at with God. So they're just like holding their breath. <gasps> Not knowing what God wants from them right now. So we all need this book right now in different ways. We want God to shepherd our souls to help us make sense of the things that we have gone through or we are going through in life. So number one, understand the background and the purpose of the book. Number two, jot this down. It's important to understand the structure of the book. <clears throat> so the structure of the book is that it's divided up into five sections. And here's what's cool. The flow through the five sections or the five books of the Psalms, the flow through that actually has a purpose. It mirrors the um, flow of life and faith. So it's cool. The way that it's arranged, start to finish, actually mirrors the flow of life and faith. It takes you through those cycles and seasons, book by book by book. So in book one, generally, you can write this down, which is Psalm 1 to 41, calls the godly to worship and to trust God. Generally, that's what's happening. Generally, it's an introduction. It's an overview. It lays out all the major themes of life and faith, and it's a call. It's a call to the godly to worship and to trust God. So in book one, you have some of the more, most famous psalms of orientation and oversight, right? So here's Psalm 23, 1 to 2. This is in book one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Psalm 32 one to two is another one. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Or Psalm 34, seven and nine, which says this, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. These are calls to resolve. These are calls to confidence and faith in God. He's good. 
His angels are around you. He's the shepherd walking right next to you. This is book one. Now, there are some other psalms in book one that kind of mirror more of the disorientation or even the despair, but generally book one is an introduction to praise and worship. It's a call to be a worshiper, to trust God. And then comes book two. Book two, which is uh, Psalms 42 to 72, voices the cries of distress and lament. So in book two, things start to go wrong. The wheels start to fall off. The season starts to change. So the cries of distress and lament increase. Here some of the more famous psalms would include Psalm 42, where it says this. As the, a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appeal before God? Listen, my tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You can see how book two starts to sound different than book one. It's like in book two, the psalmists are telling themselves, remember book one. Remember what we know about God. Thankfully, book two ends on a high note as one of the songs of Solomon closes out book two, and we find Solomon himself praying for the king, the Messiah, to come confidently, who's going to set the world straight. So in Psalm two, the floor doesn't quite fall out yet, or book two. But in book three, everything goes dark. Book three, verses, uh, Psalms 73 to 89, is the darkest book and ends in flat-out despair. So in book three, you find the psalmist questioning the justice of God. And you find the darkness getting darker. You find questions about why God hasn't done what he said. So Psalm 77, 8 to 9, says this, Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Can you imagine being in small group? Does anybody like to share anything? Yeah, I would. Okay. I'm just wondering if God's love has stopped forever. Is anyone else wondering that? <laughs> Can you imagine? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he, in anger, shut up his compassion? Book three is the darkest book. And then it ends in despair. Psalm 88 and 89. Psalm 88 ends with the psalmist saying, darkness has become my only friend. And Psalm 88 is written in a tomb. I am in the, the depths of the earth. Written from a grave with darkness as the only person around. And then Psalm 89 closes it out and it's basically a cross-examination of God. This is what was supposed to happen. This is what's actually happened. We're all going to die. The end. That's book three. And then I love how book four, you could just hear David and all these, they're writing all this stuff and it culminates in book three with, we're all gonna die, things are so dark. And then book four starts with the only Psalm of Moses. And I kind of imagine as Moses finally getting up, like he gets up and he takes his voice and he just, every, all you all sit down and shut up, all right? And he's gonna start setting things straight. So book four challenges the despair of book three. 
with the timeless praise of God. And so we find in Psalm 90, verse 2, the Psalm of Moses, for example, where he writes this. He says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And you can just picture everyone being like, Moses is right. Throughout book four, the recurring phrase is, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Again and again and again. Book four challenges the despair of book three. And then finally, book five celebrates God's faithfulness once and for all. It ends in a place of resolve again. Declares that God is answering prayer. And book five finishes with five hallelujah psalms and also included in book five is psalm 119 which is the longest psalm in the bible right and you know what that psalm is about right psalm 119 is all about god's word and it's like we got to book five yeah we've been on quite an emotional journey let's get back to the word of god everyone sit down we're going to be here a while it's a long psalm and it just goes about God's word and how amazing it is, how amazing it is, how amazing it is, how amazing it is. It's awesome, it's awesome. Trust it, trust it, trust it. Get the point? And then the very last verse of the Psalms, put that up here, says this. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. After all has been done, after everything you've gone through, whatever your questions and doubts were, where does it end? Everything that can is praising the Lord. Still singing. Still singing. You can see how the structure of the book helps us to understand its purpose and the journey that it takes us on. So number one, understand the background and purpose of the book. Number two, understand the structure of the book. Now we're going to get to the Psalms. So number three, jot this down. Psalms one and two serve as our guide to the book, our guide to the book. So uh, they're, they're kind of the doorway through which we enter the, the Psalms. They're also, I took a class on the book of Psalms when I went to Moody Bible Institute for my master's degree, and the professor had a really good illustration. He said, these two Psalms, one and two, are like the sheepdogs keeping all the other Psalms in line. Meaning you enter through these Psalms, and then once you're done with Psalm one and Psalm two, Everything that comes after that challenges and questions Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. So you, it's like there's this teetering ship. Can God be trusted? Is he written? And then Psalm 1 and 2 come along and they're like, stay on the path. Stay on the path. So that's the way it works, right? So Psalm 1 says this. The way of the righteous and the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Do you notice what it says there? There's a walking, then there's a standing, then there's a sitting. This is the progression of how you get roped in to the worldly way of life. You're walking the wrong way, then you're standing where you shouldn't be, then you're sitting down with the people who are leading you astray. It's a progression into the wrong way of life and faith. So jot this down. Don't walk, stand, or sit with scoffers. A scoffer is one who cackles and laughs and howls at the thought of honoring God. A Christian? <laughs> That's a scoffer. And you're around those people, 
and they're determining what your life is about. Faith is a joke to them, and they're the ones you're going to follow. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, their advice, nor stands in the way of sinners, their path, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I'm laughing too. My faith is a joke. No, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, delight in the law. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Jot this down. Delight in the Lord and you'll flourish like a tree. Delight in the Lord and you'll flourish like a tree. This is what God wants for you and for me. He wants you to flourish in life. He wants you to find joy in life. He, he wants you to have peace. Check it out. Here's a tree that's flourishing. A tree that goes up to the very skies. And he wants you to be this. He wants your children to be this. He wants there to be growth and life and fruit and strength in the storm. He wa- Here's the next picture. He wants there to be roots deep, drinking deeply of what? Of his word, of his law. Drinking deeply, right? And uh, here's the next picture. He wants it to be clear that, that he's built something in your life that will stand forever. You won't be uprooted. How does this happen? Well, you're not walking, standing, or sitting with scoffers. You're delighting in the Lord, and therefore you're flourishing like a tree. It says here, day and night, right? On, on his law, he meditates day and night, pondering, being mindful of the deeds of God, the promises of God, the warnings of God. And then comes the bloom, the fruit, the joy, the peace, the patience, the self-control, so many blessings. It says, in all he does, he prospers. This is the blessing of God. You've got so much to sing about if you're planted next to the streams of God's word. So much life. So hey, is this where you're at? Is God's law your foundation for life and worship? Are you walking in the way of his commands? Are you around people who are godly and fearing him? Or are you walking away? Are you walking away? Do those people who are ungodly, are those the people who are your people? And not because you want to transform them, but because they're transforming you. Their music's becoming your music. Their mantras are becoming your mantras. Their moral judgments are becoming your moral judgments. They're making a lot of sense, and you're ready to just walk away, walk away. Is that where you're at? Are you walking away from God? Are you, have you walked away? Are you far from God? This is a call to make a choice. You're in or you're out. Psalm 1. You want the rest of the Psalms? You're in or you're out. Then you're like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in its season. Leaf does not wither. And all that he does prospers. So there's fruit that comes. That fruit is slow growing. Trees, trees grow real slow. Spiritual growth is slow. God's plan for your life is slow. It's okay. So delight in the Lord and you'll flourish like a tree. You'll have so much to sing about. And not just on Sunday mornings. Sun up to sundown. Jot this down. The wicked, though, will be driven to destruction like the wind. 
The wicked will be driven to destruction like the wind. It says in verse 4, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So there's the tree. Put the picture of the tree up one more time. Here's the tree. Here's the tree. That's the righteous. And then here's a picture of chaff. Okay. It's when you're farming and you want to get the kernel of the wheat or the rice or whatever. You throw it up in the air and then the food comes down and falls on the ground, which is small to begin with. But chaff is that stuff that's in the air right there. That's chaff. Okay. Here's a close-up. That's That's your entire life if you don't walk with God. That's the sum total of all that you will accomplish in this world. That's the end of your every ambition. All the jobs you've had, all the letters after your name, all the degrees, everything you've put into your family, that's it if you're the wicked. If you don't put your roots down in the faith in God and become a worshiper of Him, that's your forever right there. That's it. This is a warning. The wicked will be driven to destruction like the wind. It says, therefore, the wicked, verse 5, will not stand in the judgment. See, what happened was there was, there was a man who's blessed. What doesn't he do? He doesn't do this. He doesn't walk with the wicked. He doesn't stand with the wicked. He doesn't sit with the wicked. Now, what happens to the wicked? They can't stand in the judgment. They're down. Now, they're the ones down, right? They won't stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, they will walk away, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. God knows your way. He's watching over it. But the way the entirety of life, the way of the wicked will perish. This is emphatic. Psalm 1 lays down the gauntlet. Hey, stay with God. Follow Him through anything. Don't walk away with the wicked because you are on the path God will bless. And the rest of the Psalms are like, it doesn't feel like He's blessing me or He's with you. You can see how this Psalm keeps us on path. It's a warning. The way of the wicked will perish. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. They're dust in the wind. So that's Psalm 1. Psalm 2, that, that's on earth. That's what people are doing. Psalm 2 is in heaven. So Psalm 2 says this. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Now, again, this is just an introduction, so we're not going to stay in this psalm and give it the full due that it deserves. But as an introductory psalm, write this down. The world rages against God and his plan. 
Psalm 1 says, you're going to be like a tree with deep roots. And then Psalm 2 is like, and everyone's going to try and chop you down. (laughs) Welcome to earth. Don't be surprised. The world rages, right? Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves. The rulers take counsel together. Godless, godless, godless. And we'll see that all the pain and wickedness and all the wicked people are in the Psalms. They're all in there. The Psalms is not this like pie in the sky, you know, oh, you'll, you'll never have any problems and everyone's going to be nice to you. Be a Christian. That's <laughs> not what the Psalms is like. It's full of a world that's opposed to God. Not just God, but, but the truths about God and his law, his moral code. They're all opposed in the Psalms. Jot this down, but God's throne is secure over all the chaos. God's throne is secure. It says in verse 4, he who sits in the heavens laughs. So in Psalm 1, the wicked are scoffing, laughing at God. In Psalm 2, God is looking down and he's just like, (laughs) and I mean he looks at all of it. We're talking about the comprehensive record of all the most powerful people in the world trying to build a godless empire, right? And God's response is, that was a good one. Oh, that was a good one. But now let's get on with eternity. In other words, it's a joke. It's a joke to him. It's a joke. The world rages against God and his plan. God's throne is secure over all the chaos. It says in verse 6, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. So in other words, there's a promise that God made to David that one of his descendants would rule forever. This is the Davidic covenant, the messianic king. This is Jesus who would come. David and Solomon both write about this king because they know they ain't him. Their kingdom ends. Their bodies fail. So they knew there was a king coming. And this king speaks. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. So this is a dialogue between God and the Messiah. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. In other words, earth will fail, heaven will prevail. Result, verse 10. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. In other words, go through the book of Psalms and sing them all. Now, while you still have a chance, become a worshiper who praises according to this book. Turn into the Psalms. Become a worshiper because Christ, the anointed king, will rule forever. Wow. So jot this down. Worship and serve Christ and take refuge in his presence. It says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So worship and serve Christ and take refuge in in his presence. This is how we enter the book of Psalms a warning about how we're living, an invitation to be righteous. It will be worth it in the end. That's on earth. And then in heaven, God's got the whole thing under control. He's got it all under control. Worship the promised anointed Messiah. The king is on the throne. Those who oppose him are a joke. Stay the path. This is our entrance into the book of Psalms. Be wise, be warned, sing to Christ, the King of all kings, trust him and take refuge in him when the world goes crazy. Now we have our bearings. Now we are prepared to set sail through the Psalms together. 
And I'd like to invite you, based on what you heard today, to evaluate your own heart. The Bible says, examine your own heart. Are you in the faith? Test and see if you are in the faith. So are you truly a worshiper of Christ the King? Are you described here as the one who is not walking in the counsel of the wicked and standing in the way of the sinners or sitting in the way of scoffers? Are, is that not you? Have you become someone who actually worships God because of his law, follows his precepts, and you know how this story is going to end? He's going to take you to a place where you will be with him in glory forever. Are you a worshiper of Christ? This is an invitation not just to believe it, to be like, yeah, but to actually sing with all of your heart as someone who worships Christ, the King, the Son of the Father. So I want to invite you to become a worshiper, someone who praises God and loves his law today. Let's close in response to all that we've heard by praying right now. Let's pray. Father, what a book. I'm so grateful that you put a song book for the saints in the Old Testament. Thank you that within this book we will find captured every emotion we will ever encounter, every question we will ever, ever have, every doubt we will ever wrestle with. It's all in there. And I believe that your spirit drove these very feelings and questions straight through the human soul onto the pages of this book. Lord, you affirm our anguish. You affirm that this life is hard. You affirm that there are many seasons of faith, but you are present in all of them. So I just pray that you would open our hearts to you, open up our mouths, help us to talk to you about our questions and our fears, about our disappointments. Lord, the Psalms are full of people who by faith bring these things to you. And I pray for anybody here today or online who realizes that they have not been one who, is, who has been a worshiper of Christ, who with all their heart and soul trusts God. They have never become somebody who's actually afraid of falling into the very destruction of the wicked, of going to hell forever and being away from God because of their lives. They've never repented of laughing at godliness and mocking Christ and, and scoffing at people who love Jesus. They've never repented of that. And I pray that right now their heart would be decided, their soul would be settled, that they would get off the path of the wicked once and for all, and that they would get on the path of the righteous. They wouldn't just say it, they would sing about it, they'd believe it, head to toe, sun up to sun down, it would become their very joy. I pray, Lord, that they would just right now sing as worshipers of Christ and surrender their entire lives to you. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you because you walk us faithfully like a shepherd through every season of life. We love you, Lord, and we invite you to continue to grow and heal, develop our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen.